If you're new joining us this weekend, we, we uh, bring you up to speed real quick. We're doing a series called The Game of Life. And uh, the idea of the game of life is to figure out, like, how, when, you, when you meet people that just, there's something about them where there's some sort of, like, passion and purpose and joy in certain people. What is it that is going on in their life that we could hopefully get a little piece of? How could God give us that kind of joy and energy and love and passion for other people and for whatever the purpose that they have? Um, game of life. Now, here's, here's what happened, though. Bill, uh, my goofy co-pastor here, um, he, 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 Bill's like, oh, we got to get some really cool props for the stage for the game of life. So he got online, and he did a good job. He found this. Uh, this is from the game of life, you know, the little thing. But then he just couldn't help himself, and he started ordering other stuff. So we got Monopoly pieces up here now. We've got all these pieces that have nothing to do with the game of life. So we actually had to change the title of our series from the game of life to the games of life now is what we're calling it. So that's serious tail wagging the dog, Bill, but we'll, we'll deal with it. And it actually helped me because I wanted to use uh, this week a little analogy. And so it helps me because I'm going to use my little chessboard here in a second. But, but what we want to do is we want to talk about what, what, how do we even start down understanding What's our next step in understanding what does God want from us in this game of life? And I started thinking as we've talked these last two weeks, we kind of need to take a step back. Because what is the very first thing that you always do when you get a new game and you got to figure out how to play? What do you got to figure out? You got to know the objective, right? We got to understand what the objective of the game of life is. Like when we wake up in the morning, do we, do we have a sense of what this is all about? Why, why we're alive? What, what does God want from us today? Or do you do what I do so many days? You guys, I, this week, okay, here's what happened. I had, I had this day this week where I woke up and, uh, you know, you start in with the day. Uh, you get annoyed with the kids. I love you guys. Uh, you get annoyed with Karen. I love you, Karen. Um, you, you get annoyed with the people at the rec center. You get annoyed with the person who's driving next to you in the car. It cuts you off. You get annoyed with, I get annoyed with Bill. I get annoyed with somebody else at work. I, I get annoyed, I get annoyed, I get annoyed. It, it can be like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm just annoyed with everybody. And I finally kind of step back and go, wait, is this what Jesus talks about when he talks about having abundant life? To be annoyed with everybody around me? Man, I... I want to live the kind of life where I wake up, and I bet you somebody in here can relate to this. I want to live the kind of life where I wake up in the morning and like, I understand the objective of the game. So what I want to do first is I want to just say, okay, we got to understand what is the objective of the game of following God? What's the objective of the idea that we're going to follow Jesus with our lives? Now, I know some of you guys are getting ready for exams this week. Right, you got, uh, I think CU's pretty much wrapped up, and I'm guaranteeing you there's high school students in here, middle schoolers, whatever, you're getting ready for some big test. I'm going to warm you up this morning with a multiple choice exam. You ready? Here's a multiple choice exam, really important. Here's the question, and, and there's no tricks here. The question is this, uh, what is the purpose, what's the objective of following Jesus? What's, what's the game of life? What's the point? We've got to start with the objective to the game. Easy multiple choice right here. Here's A. A is be as moral as I can. Is that the objective of following Jesus? B, teach people to follow all Jesus said. Jesus said that. Very, one of the last things he said. Take care of my family and my friends. 
and be a good person. Could be one option of the objective of the game. Love God with all my heart and other people too. Is that it? What's E? Make it through the day. Is that, is that the objective of the game of life, following Jesus? Say the right prayer to get into heaven. For some people, that's the objective of following Jesus. Here's F uh, or G, both A and C. H is both A, B, and D. I is both C and E. J is all of the above except for B, F, and G. K is none of the above except for A, I, L, and Q. And L is I just give up. Like, get me out of here. Listen here, you teachers, you teachers, don't do that to us, okay? Stop with the except for this and that. Don't do that. Just make it clear, multiple choice clear. We, I mean, we could have a, we could go around this room and talk about what's the objective of the game of following God and have as many answers to that question as there are people in this room. And yet, I think Jesus was actually kind of clear about what was the objective to the game of life. When he was asked, wait, hey, what's the most important thing? What, if you could just sum it all up, what is it? Matthew 22, here's what Jesus says. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Another translation says, and all your strength. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is what we're gonna boil it all down to. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, strength, mind. And a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. I don't, I don't know that Jesus... I, I picture Jesus laying down and, and in the morning when his eyes open. When my eyes open in the morning, I start thinking about some conflict that's going on. Some, maybe for some of us, we start thinking about the deal we're going to cut that day, the negotiating. We start thinking about, um, you know, something that's going on with our kids or something that's going on in our family or something that's going on at work. And it just tramples you. And I wonder if Jesus was able somehow before he got his feet out of bed and, and got up in the morning, he said, the objective of the game today is to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind and to love other people. That's a game changer. That's a game changer if you wake up in the morning and you think that before you get out of bed. Because what happens is if we understand the objective of the game, you can actually understand the role that we have in the game. If you think about a game, you have to know the objective if you're going to understand how the pieces move on the board. The role of the pieces is dependent on the objective. Jesus knew his role. In fact, in John 10, and we've used this passage in the series here, John 10, Jesus says this. He says, the thief's purpose, now there's an adversary, there's an opponent in the game of life. Don't be fooled to think there's not an opponent. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose, my role in the game is to give them a rich and satisfying life. My role is to give, to bring abundant life. Understand what life actually means. Love God, love other people, then Jesus has his purpose and understands his role. Guys, I, I want us to leave this room today. I want you stirred up thinking. What, how would I articulate what the objective of this game is? And if I know the objective of the game, what's my role? What am I supposed to do? What am I called to do? Um, I want you to check out this chessboard here for a second. It's a cool chessboard, actually. Somebody let me borrow it for this morning. Um, I, I want you to think for a second. Imagine that the pieces on this board actually were alive. Uh, so think wizard's chess, right? Harry Potter. 
that, that they, they have emotion and sentiment and they understand and they're, they're thinking about what the next move is and they're asking the question, why? Imagine for a second that these pieces are actually living and, and, and they have to ask the question, what is the objective of this game? So let me ask you, what's the objective of the game of chess? It's to get annoyed with your opponent who's taking too long to make up their mind. I swear, that is the objective of the game. No, it's to take the other king. Right? You know that the objective of the game is to take the other king. Now, can you imagine what would happen if a pawn, right, pawn's going to move just like this, and then they can do one, and then they can, this guy's going to come up and protect him. Imagine for a second if a pawn didn't actually understand the objective of the game. What happens when we don't get the objective of the game? Here's, here's a little theory. If we're not clear, every, you know, as much as we can every day, if we're not clear about what the objective of our life in following Christ is about, we will become the objective. If, if, if we don't know what the objective of the game is, we will make ourselves the objective of the game and we'll be annoyed with people all day. We easily become the objective of the game. And in fact, I think it is one of life's greatest temptations is to misunderstand or not think about what the objective of the game actually is on a daily basis. Think for a second about the things that tempt you. If you had to stop and think, what's the thing that tempts me the most? What, what kind of thing is it with money or a relationship? Something that you, you put out there and you go, oh, that, that's a scandal. Think about the things that we, we, um, we associate with being tempted. Is there a quieter, more subtle temptation that we face every day that we don't actually realize that we're being tempted with? Uh, I want to show you what, you mean, what I mean here. Um, let me show you Luke chapter 4. Some of you guys will be really familiar with this. And some of you, maybe this will be the first time that you've ever seen this. Um, Luke 4 talks about Jesus being tempted. Look at this. Um, look at this passage from Luke 4. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. So the, the word the devil, in Hebrew, it's a word um, Satan. And it's a verb. It means the one who accuses you. And it can also mean the adversary, the opponent. So let's just think of it this way. Let's take a second and see, here's the ultimate opponent against Jesus. What move on the board will he make? What will he try to get Jesus with? Okay? And, and, and so Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. And here he is, and he's ripe to be tempted now, what's he going to tempt him with? Is he going to tempt him with a relationship? Is he going to tempt him with money? Hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you money. Or is he going to tempt him with um, something unethical or immoral? Like, that's all the stuff, the scandal stuff that we think of when we think of tempting. Look at what the adversary, the opponent, tries to tempt Jesus with. Look at this. Then the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. That doesn't seem like a big temptation to me. What, what's going on? Jesus does miracles all the time. 
Jesus is always turning water to wine. Jesus is always rubbing mud in somebody's eyes who can't see and then they can see. Jesus is always coming up to somebody on the street who can't walk and helping them walk. What's the big deal about asking Jesus to do a miracle? How's that a temptation? Okay, look, let's keep going because <laughs> here comes another one. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I'm going to give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it to all of you if you will worship me. And Jesus replied, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Okay, what's he doing? What's the devil, what's, what's this chess guy doing against Jesus on the board. Now, I want you to notice, too, how does Jesus respond? Jesus actually responds to this temptation by quoting back to him the scripture. As if there's anything else that tells you that, man, the more opportunity you get to expose yourself to the Bible, to read it for yourself, to try to soak it in a little bit, even if you're just starting out, taking it in. This is how Jesus actually kind of says no to certain temptations is he looks at the scripture and he says, ah, no, no, and here's why. Okay, let's keep going because I want you to see what, what, uh, what the adversary, the opponent's strategy is, okay? You'll see it real loud and clear in this last one. Devil took him to Jerusalem, biggest city, to the highest point of the temple, biggest city, biggest building, highest point, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off the temple. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. By the way, now the devil's looking how Jesus is responding using scripture, and the devil says, I'm going to do the same thing, except I'm going to twist it. I'm going to turn it on you. And so he, he's saying, jump off the highest point in front of all the people in the temple and you'll be caught by angels. Jesus responds, the scriptures also say, I love this, yeah, okay, let me tell you what it also says, you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. What's going on? He didn't tempt him with money. He didn't tempt him with a relationship. This isn't a big scandal. He's tempting him by saying, Jesus, make the objective about yourself. He is tempting him by saying, if you jump off the temple and everybody sees you be caught and you float to the ground unhurt, they will be amazed. You will be spectacular. No one will believe what you did. Forget these stupid little lame miracles where you're helping somebody see do something out in the open that everybody will be astonished by. He's saying make the objective, not love God and love others. The devil's trying to tempt Jesus by saying make the objective about you, Jesus. Guys, that's exactly the main temptation that you and I face this morning when you open your eyes. We may not realize it. We may think about the other temptations, the more tangible ones. That's the real temptation that we're facing. That's the one that sits underneath it that everything else flows from. Man, we got to be clear. We got to be clear about the objective. That we wake up going, oh, God, I'm going to love, today's not going to be about me. I'm going to love you, Lord, all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. I'm going to love other people. That's a game changer. Here's, here's what I think um, 
I think the opponent knows. If you get confused about the objective of the game, you will also get confused about the role of the pieces on the board. So again, think for a second. If, if I'm a chess piece and I'm a pawn, you know, if a pawn know, is confused that the goal is to take the other king, do you think the pawn is going to want to put themselves out there? Like, you know, the way to win the game of chess is if you get, like, this position right here is game over. If you get your pawns in a position where you control the board, it's game over. But if a pawn doesn't understand that their job is to control the board and that they might actually experience sacrifice in the process. If a pawn doesn't get the objective of the game, do you think that they're going to want to do anything to put themselves out there and risk? No. If we don't understand the objective, we don't understand our role, and the role we will take on will always be self-preservation. If we don't get that we exist for something bigger than ourselves, we will always try to self-preserve as our number one thing. We won't spend our time serving. We won't put ourselves out there and take a risk that God may be calling us to do. We won't give generously. Why in the world would we do that? If even quietly we think that the objective of the game is ourselves. No, our goal will always be self-preservation. That's the danger of not knowing the objective of the game. Man, we're called to know the objective. We're called to know our role on the board. Guys, next week, we're going to dive a lot into this concept of what is our role. How do you know your role? How do you learn about what is the role that God has given you? God has given every person in this room a role on the board. Do you know what it is? And next week, we're going to dive in. I hope you'll come in here and be a part of that conversation. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to I take a little bit of right, I debated this this week, but I'm going to take a, a right turn a little bit. Because I, I want to say that this is true, this idea is true about our objective and the role about us as people. This is really true about churches too. Has anybody ever noticed, if maybe you've been a part of a church, that sometimes churches get confused about the objective? Maybe you've been a part of a church, you've seen where they stop actually being about what the objective of the game is, and they start playing a different game. And, and I can just tell you, I haven't been in the church world for 22 years, it's, it's one of the most dangerous and sad things that can possibly, I could tell you guys stories, in fact, I'm going to, okay. Um, and I say this because we're, we're at our five-year point as a church, a little over five years, and God has done some incredible things, I think, because we've had a clear objective and we've had a clear role on the board. But we're at an inflection point. We're at a, like, pivot moment as a church. And I think where the next five years goes is, is really what it's all about. And, and if we're not careful, and I've just seen it, and everybody here who's been around a church knows, you can lose your objective in a hurry. And that could happen to a cent. So I want to share with you a couple things, and, and I share this saying to you that um, I was a part of this, and so I'm a little embarrassed to share some of these stories because I didn't stop them. I didn't, I, I didn't have the courage. I didn't, you know, I didn't move into a space where I said, hey, time out. So there's not an ounce of like, oh, look at these bad things. This is not arrogant. 
This is like, this will happen to us if we're not clear about our objective. So I was, I was once part of a church fight where for five months, our church argued about whether or not we would have wooden benches or chairs in the auditorium. And it involved a letter writing campaign on the part of the congregation. It involved hours and hours and hours of meetings. That I, it's funny, it's, unless you're in it and it's not. And, and we went for months with meeting after meeting. Oh, this is going to be chairs, this is going to be pews, you know. Uh, I was part of another church fight where we argued for about nine months. This one was even worse. What songs would we sing on the 4th of July service? I'm not kidding. And, and we had the congregation angry and we had the leadership team. We had the board of the church involved in this almost on a weekly basis for nine months talking about the 4th of July service. I was right there, a part of it. You know what happens to a church when that starts to happen? You start to miss the objective. It's almost like the pieces on the board start coming off. We stop playing the real game and we play like a totally different game altogether. I was part of a church fight once. This one only lasted a week about whether or not we would serve decaf or caffeinated coffee, which is the stupidest thing in the world because I don't understand why you'd have coffee if it doesn't have caffeine in it. <laughs> it's so obvious to me. And it, it took us like a week to figure out, hey, we could serve both, you know? <laughs> Got it. We fight over music. We fight over volume. We fight over all kinds of stuff. And all the while where our church boards and congregations are talking about this stuff, there's people in our community who don't have a clue on who God is. And there's people in our community whose marriages are falling apart. And there's kids in our community who are depressed. And there's people in our community who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And there's opportunity. Guys, when we focus on stuff and we lose objective, not just as individuals, but as a kind of body here, as a group, man, we stop playing the game and we start playing some other game that we were never intended to play. God help us to keep our eye on the objective these next five years. God, we're going to love you, our heart, soul, strength, and mind. We're going to love other people. You know what happens? You know what happens in churches when, um, when we lose the objective? This is, this, this is true. 100% of the time, you will always play defense and you'll never play offense. Churches that end up being off the board end up, what's our role? Self-preservation. We got to keep people happy. We got to keep the people who give lots of money happy. We got to do everything we can to self-preserve. We never play offense. Guys, I, I, one thing I will say that I'm so grateful to God for five years anyway, we have played offense. We, we have said, how are we going to serve this community day after day relentlessly? How are we going to help people know who God is? Man, we have our hiccups and we got our problems. And I'm telling you this, trust me, our church could end off, off the board easily 
if we're not careful about our objective and where we're heading. We've been spending a lot of time, actually, as a church team, our, the board of our church, just trying to sort through, like, what's our objective? Love God, love people. But what's our specific role as a church? There's a ton of churches in this area that are incredible. You got, you know, the Calvaries of the world, Cornerstone, First Pres, Flatirons, Rock Creek, Discovery out in Broomfield. There are phenomenal churches that, have, uh, that are in this area that are our teammates. And, but that doesn't mean we all have the same role on the board. We actually celebrate the idea that there's some differences in each of these churches. The, the question, I think, that gets presented to us as people that choose a church is, does the role of that church and the objective of that church match who God has wired me to be? It's so important to figure out. Far more than do you like the music. Far more than like whether you like my bald head and what we say or whatever. It's about, does this match who you are? I want to give you just a a tangible example of this. And this might, this be a little sensitive. Um, There's a question I think that's come up around here a lot that I think is an incredibly important question. But this will illustrate what I'm talking about. We've had some people who've asked, and I am, if you listen to me, if you're one of those people who've asked this question about, say, I want to thank you because you had the courage to ask a question that you knew could be challenging, but I want to, um, I want to address it, and I want to say thank you for asking because you're making us better by asking hard questions. The question is, when I walk into a sent church, why is there not a cross? Where's the cross? Where's the cross on the outside of the building? Where's the cross in the auto? Why is there no cross in this place? Are we trying to hide something about what we believe? Guys, as our board and our staff and our people have wrestled with, what is a sense role on the board? What's, what's our, how do we move in this game? It's become clear to us that over the last few years, five years, you know what a scent does? Ascent, and when I say that, I don't mean me and Bill. I mean this group. This group of people, somehow God has used you guys for people that have somehow um, have had a blurred vision of who Jesus is. For, for, for someone maybe who had a past where they were hurt in a church or somebody who maybe your family of origin like it stopped being about do I believe in God and it started being about like I was really wounded by a family member or a church or for people who think is this Christianity thing really just a political movement or for people who, who, think, who look at Christianity and they just have some sort of crap that's got in our eyes that clouds our vision. It stops becoming about who Jesus is and it starts becoming about something that you just go, ooh, that's not right. Somehow God has used this church to help people clearly see Jesus. That's, that is the bottom, that is our role on the board, to strip away all the other stuff, to say, look, yeah, just stop with all this. Our role is to help every person clearly see Jesus. Why? If you could see Jesus for who Jesus is, that's a game changer. And I, we think that if people clearly see who Jesus is, then they will respond. And we think people, that's how people find life in him. 
When people see Jesus clearly, they will find life in him. That's our role on the board. So, back to the crosses. We have just always from the beginning said we want to share this building. It is critical to us to have anybody in this building. You guys, I can't tell you over the years how many banquets, uh, choir concerts, um, you know, different events with the city that have been held in this building. Do you realize that Boulder Valley School District has said to us, we kind of see Ascent as a home away from home? That's kind of a big deal, that BBSD would see us in that light. We have people in this building all the time who maybe have a really negative image of what it means to be a Christian, and they're in here all the time. And one of the things that we've consistently heard from people is, hey, we're comfortable having our after prom there, partially because there's not huge crosses everywhere. We're comfortable having our banquet there, partially because you don't deck it out with stained glass. We're comfortable having these meetings, city council, we're comfortable having uh, business leaders in Louisville in your building, because when we walk in the door, we go, oh, this wasn't what I expected. You guys, tonight, tonight, the Monarch High School Ultimate Frisbee team will have their banquet in this building. And all these kids will walk in the doors, and I, this would be weird if we all showed up and did this, so don't do this. But here's what you would hear if you stood next to the door and you listened to these kids walk in the door, these kids who maybe some of them have never been into a church before, they will walk in the door and you will hear this word. I'm telling you, Bill and I have heard this from the very beginning. This is a church? This is sick. I, this, this is totally different than I thought. You know what's happened over the years? People who come to these concerts and banquets and whatever, they start going, oh, yeah, my friend invited me to that thing down there on Tuesday night. Maybe I should go check that out. Oh, you know what? There's an Easter sign. You know what? I could actually do this. This is different than I thought. I mean, maybe, maybe I'll come check out an Easter service. Do you know how many stories we have like that? Man, I'm telling you right now, guys, our role on the board is that people will clearly see Jesus. We will keep making that kind of decision. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't die, ironically, Jesus did not die on a cross so that you could have a cross on your building. <laughs> he died on a cross so that people, that kid who comes in tonight, will get to know him. That's why he died on a cross. And we're not hiding a thing. If you guys have been around this church, you know, man, you're going to hear about Jesus every week. You're going to hear about the cross every week. You're going to hear about the resurrection. You're going to hear about life in Christ. There's not a thing that we're hiding. We believe so strongly that our role on the board is to invite the community in to know Christ, that we will do anything short of sinning to see that happen. And I'll tell you, over the next five years, we're ramping that up. That's just going to get, that's why it's so important to understand what does a church believe? What is its role? Does it fit me? And I would say, honestly, if what I just said strikes you, uh, that's okay. That might be an indication that there's a different role for you in a different church even. I would hate that because we love the people who come here. But we're never going to sacrifice our role on the board. We'll never do that. That is so important to us. And here's why. 
this is a little saying to think about. For, the, for those of you who've been around the church a while and maybe have tried to follow Jesus a while, let me, let me just give you a little saying. If, if you're further down the road in your faith, you always sacrifice your personal preferences for those who are just getting started. Always sacrifice that personal. That's why we have some of the coolest people in this church. I know that there's people, you know, I don't know, maybe some of you moms who raised your hands earlier to get a, a, a rose. You probably wish you weren't in a warehouse singing rock songs. You know, maybe you wish there was an organ in hymns. I just want to say, God bless you. You have sacrificed personal preferences for people that are just starting out in the road. We're always going to do that. It will always be who a sin is. And you know what's happened over the years because of it? We have built relationship after relationship with people in the city, with people in the school district, with the chief of police. I mean, how cool is it that this coming Saturday, we will be out working with the chief of police who asked us, would you just help me serve the city church? Of course we said yes, but that happened because of the relationship and because of the posture that we have with them. That's at the core of ascent and our role on the board. I actually hope, I hope you'll come this next Saturday morning. I, I got an email from a city council person uh, yesterday who just said, I can't wait to see you guys out there. Like you get to come and be an ambassador, not of ascent, but of, of Jesus in the world so that people can clearly see Jesus this Saturday morning out there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, again, it's, it's this really cool thing we do with the chief of police where we go to different areas around the city and we just serve. Uh, in fact, let me, let me just show you a quick little video to give you an idea of what we do. Check this out. Directions to Zuni Street and West 96th Avenue, Federal Heights. That's it. We're going out to the um, trailer parks in Broomfield. I know that people in the community there in that trailer park are so excited about our team coming. We already have about 10 to 15 people there right now to fix up a bunch of stuff that has been, has been, uh, it's been years without people being able to do something about it. Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm here with the Ascent team and why? Because I love to try to help just any way I can. And be a good neighbor. Just wanted to make sure I could uh, be a part of something. The more and more uh, people from Ascent that step forward, the further out we go. So to be able to see the, the police department and uh, Ascent working together, man, that is exactly what our vision has been from the beginning, is how do we work together to meet the needs in the community? Guys, just a practical example. The, what I hope you're hearing this morning is, man, move on to the board. Get on the board. Get the objective clear. Get the role clear. And let's do that together as a church. And so I want to pray for a second. I'm going to leave a little time in there just for you to have a conversation with God too about what it means for you to be clear about your objective and your role. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to do that. It's so much easier said than done. Um, but, God, we don't want our lives to be about us. We don't want our roles to be self-preservation. We don't ever want to just spend our time playing defense, not offense. We want to go with passion after how do we serve this city, how do we love you, Lord, and how do we love other people. And that's the marching orders that Jesus has given us. And God, we pray that we would be willing to sacrifice where we need to make us a pawn on the board. 
God, I pray just for a moment that you would speak to each one of us, just for a moment of silence here as we, um, as we have a conversation to you. What, what does this mean for us as individuals? Talk to us, Lord, now in silence. God, we are your pieces. You are the king. Move us where you want us. In Jesus' name.